Hello, I'm Gary Gard, and welcome to our 100th episode of Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. Personally, I like to work through through grief, I've learned, right? Other people may need more time to process, and perhaps in a different situation, I may ask for that extra time. This podcast has gone through quite the evolution over the last three years. 100 amazing conversations I've had, and today is no different. Today, I'm joined by Janice Drew Bennett. Janice also joined me on our live roundtable where we discussed the well-being of our people that we lead. It's an important conversation, and the link is in the show notes, so be sure to head on over there and check it out. In this conversation, Janice and I focus more on you and your needs as being part of a team versus the round table, which focused more on how you lead um, people and take care of them, make sure they have what they need. This is about you and how you get what you need when you're being part of a team. Janice lost so much these last few years personally. I'll have her share her story, but in her loss, we talk about how we can make sure we get what we need when we're going through a time of grief, especially. we, When you're part of a team and you're trying to be there for your team, we can sometimes end up being yes people, where we say yes to everything because we're afraid to let people down. But in doing that and not taking care of ourselves, we actually end up creating more harm. And so this conversation, Janice and I give you really good tools. I don't even even want to take any credit for it. Janice, Janice gives you really good tools on how to understand what it is you need and then how to get what you need. Oh God, so inspired. Amazing reminders on how to take care of ourselves and still show up and impact in an impactful way for our team and company is so good. So good, y'all. Before we get to it, a little bit about Janice. Janice has held senior level marketing positions for Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, Walters Kluwer, and she is now at Me Equilibrium. As a corporate strategist, marketer, entrepreneur, founder, and nonprofit board director, Janice has helped clients and partners with data strategy and business transformation, imagining and creating unparalleled events, delivering seamless experiences through integrated platforms, building and growing sales and marketing departments, and establishing key partnerships to impact revenues and profits. Oh, her experience is immense, and what she's gone through is, is deep. And so when those two things came together... We had an amazing conversation. So grab a lovely cup of tea, a cozy blanket, and curl up to really sink into this one. Take it all in. Here's my conversation with Janice. Hi, Janice. Thank you for joining me on Tea Time. Hi, Carrie. So excited to have you. Before we dive into our topic, which is, so I've been looking forward to this for a while, so um, it's going to be awesome. Before we get there, before we get there, tell our audience about yourself, Janice. What do you do and how did you get there? Yes. So I'm currently focused on strategic partnership marketing with a health and wellness tech company. We have a digital resilience solution. 
I've been there eight months or so as of May 2022. And I got here because I really honed in on my desire to focus on partnerships last year, knowing that connecting people and building value through partnerships is something that that I, I value and that I'm good at. So I, I really identified, you know, wanting a partnerships role and also wanting to work for a company that had great c- culture. So I think really assessing leadership and, and values for a company. And so that's what brought me to where I am with my current full-time role. What, what about the company that you're in makes it a really good culture? Like what sort of made you excited when you initially started talking to them in terms of culture? Yeah, so I think having a woman-led company is is rare in the tech space with over 50, 60% women um, and, and women in leadership. So that's one, one factor. I think I've worked in male tech heavy leadership companies and it, it's just a different um, environment and different way of collaborating, I think. Um, and so that's one. And then having a purpose-driven mission where the goal is to help people become more resilient and help companies and organizations um, be able to thrive and not just survive during times of change. So I think that mission really attracted me. You talk a lot about partnerships and that being important to you. How did you get into part? You, you knew that you liked it. You're good at it, but how did you get into that? Yeah, I think partnerships is a, is a core part of, of the marketing function. And so I've, I've led marketing teams. I've been in a number of different industries in the marketing space and also had a little bit of a stint doing sales strategy for a company where partnerships was a core way of growing business. And I think having the partnership as a sliver within the marketing and sales function is, is how I've grown. And, and one of the, the things I've also been um, part of is, is the entrepreneurial world. And I had started my own business in, in 2011 as well. So having the, 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 the business um, working evenings and weekends to, to build partnerships for my own company was something that, that I, I've been doing for over 10 years. And so I think having both the, the leadership hat of realizing to grow a company, you, you can build more revenue and build um, more reach through partners is something that I've, I've learned over time. It is an art. Yes. I agree. I agree. So what's one challenge you're currently facing then in, in the work that you're currently doing? challenge that I personally face um, is distractions. So the shiny object syndrome is something that I, I think um, is a personal Achilles heel. <laughs> so, so really focusing and prioritizing is, is kind of my mantra as, as I learn to say no to more things and, and look at my time and how I'm using it is something that just making sure that I'm, I'm kind of closing the <laughs> <laughs> the faucet as, as it relates to outreach. Cause I think as a marketing leader, you often get a lot of people reaching out to you asking for mentorship or asking for, um, you know, partnership as well. And so being laser focused as to what partnerships are the right partnerships and what, what's the right strategy to approach um, saying yes or no. And when to say yes or no to what, what you're doing. I think that's, that's an ongoing struggle. I think we all can relate to that. I know I can. Yeah, no, I, it's, oh, so how, so saying no is a great tactic there, but I know that that's even hard. So what's helping you, you know, I always like to go back to our values. I feel like that's such a great place to like, does this fit into our values? Is this what we're trying to accomplish? Does it fit into our ICP in terms of who we're talking to? Does it fit into our mission? You know, those are all great things to point to when you're trying to make decisions. How, how are you, 
is that what you're basing your decisions on or what's sort of your compass there? I think having a personal list of questions in my head, as well as a, you know, organizational alignment questions as it relates to, is this moving forward short-term versus long-term? Is this something to file? Like, and having that framework of do it now or don't do it at all or delegate it or, you know, just really assessing, you know, do I delete it? Do I do it? Do I delegate it? Those, that framework um, and having the questions to assess, does it align with my personal values? Is it something that is going to help the company overall with our current goals or long-term goals? And that helps me kind of just ignore certain things as well as um, be able to ping it at, or pin it as a task to do later or give it to someone else if it's if it's something that I think should be done now, but I don't need to do it. Do it, delete it, or delegate it. I am... I'm so adopting that. That's awesome. Um, I think right now, you know, in terms of this is going to get into the heart of where we want to go with this in terms of the last few years and the pandemic and some personal challenges you've had, do you feel like that's impacted your ability to say no and to focus a bit better or is it, is it not helped? How is that how has one impacted the other, do you feel like, or has it not? Yeah, I think when we look at the pandemic and, and the losses we've faced and the challenges that we're all looking at, I think it it has personally given me the, the realization that I need more space to be able to process loss and grief. And that means other people likely need more space as well. And so being able to understand, we, we all maybe run too fast at work or um, don't take a pause to realize how we're feeling or how our team is feeling. And, and really experiencing, you know, my, my own father passed away um, recently. And I think understanding that, and, and the CMO, I, I, you know, told me, Grief is not linear, right? So as you've experienced loss, it doesn't, it doesn't just, you, you don't feel it and then it goes away. So just realizing that we're going through cycles and that at any given time, I might be feeling something and being able to express what I'm feeling to the team can help them give me space. So. Wow, um, that's so brave. <laughs> I mean, to show up to your team and to say, here's where I am and here's what I need right now. I mean, like, wow. Yeah, and I think May being Mental Health Awareness Month is also a, a great time to say it really is okay to say I'm not okay right now. And I saw a, a, a course on LinkedIn called Leading with a Heavy Heart. And if you're not sharing that with your team, they may not realize that your your curt response or your you know lack of presence at a meeting is not related to their performance. It's really how you're feeling and and what's going on in, in your world. So I think being open and transparent about how we're feeling can help all of us be able to, again, give each other that space and, and help with the anxiety that we might all be feeling, depending on how others are acting. It's new. Would you say that, like, this is new to show up as a leader this way? I feel like we've always made, you know, in the last five to 10 years as leaders, we've made space for our team to show up that way and to tell us what they need so we can support them. But as the leader showing up to say, we're human too, and these are the things that we're experiencing, that feels 
new and brave for sure. Really scary. Is that, were those some of the things you were feeling when you were, when you were doing it or just feel really natural and like, no, like this is what it should be. I don't think it feels natural to be vulnerable for anyone really. I think because I think our natural instinct is to put up a wall and to protect ourselves. And, you know, there's that fear and, and the flight or fight syndrome that I think we all also still have in the, in the back of our brains. And there's also that historic leadership model of command and control and, you know, show, show no, no vulnerability. And so part of it is shifting our mindset around what leadership really is. And I don't think we're there yet. And it, it, I think it, it will take time. And there's a book I just read by an author here in Rhode Island um, called The Leader You Don't Want to Be. And it's about shifting to that transformative leadership model and um, being more effective in, in a world that I think is, is moving toward more collaboration and away from the competition mindset. So I think that we will, if we continue to move in the right direction holistically, then we'll see more vulnerability in leaders because that's what, what we need. So great. I'm a big Brené Brown fan. So I, I was thinking of her as well. Yes. Yes. So the word vulnerability, like I hear that word and you immediately think of, of Brené and, you know, she talks a lot about this, but to actually talk about people who are showing up that way, um, that isn't Brene Brown is, I think she's making waves, which is great, but I don't know that people really figured out how to do it. So for you to be this lovely example of somebody who can show up and say, I'm having a tough day and here's why. And here, you know, do you, and then do you lead in with, here's what I need? Like how, what's that next, what's that next piece of it? Because I feel like so many times when we show up and say, we're having a tough day or here's where, you know, the, what part of the fear in that is the response we're going to get, which is, you know, part empathy, part sympathy, part like people not knowing what to do with that information because it's like, oh my God, my, God, my leader's showing up and like saying they need help. And like, I don't know what to do with this. So like what's sort of been the reaction you've gotten? Yeah. And I had asked this question too, because before I had experienced significant grief myself, I didn't always know how to respond to it. And one piece of advice is whatever, if you're on the receiving end of someone who's expressing how they're, how, how they're feeling, anything you say may be, may be helpful because it's, it's showing that you're acknowledging and you're hearing what they're saying. Now, as a person expressing grief, I do think it's, it can help the person who's receiving it by giving them some action. Like I would love to, to just have some time to think, or I, I need to take the day off or so knowing what you need personally, or I just want to talk about this, like, and, or do you have a similar experience? Can you share? I want to hear your thoughts. So I think every person may have a different way of what, of, of expressing what they need. And if you are able to articulate what helps you the most. So as you're thinking about how you're feeling, what do you need to help you process that? Um, I mean, the, the company I work for has an app so I, I often go in and I search for little things like I'm, I'm feeling lack of energy today. And so there's tips on like what what type of lack of energy? Is it a physical? Is it emotional? Or, you know, is it is it some other other factor that that and being able to do an energy meditation or to do a sleep meditation if I'm not getting enough sleep? So I think just finding the right solution for me, whether it's within an app or talking to someone, I think. Um, let, letting others know what's helping you and trying to figure that out for yourself. Um, and then when you're hearing other people asking, you know, what, 
is this something that would help you, I think, and, and kind of going through that process of really listening and communicating to others' needs. So interesting, because I feel like, again, this is all so new. So to actually show up, I, I think it's important. This is important because you can't just show up as the leader and say, I'm having a tough day and here's why. And then just that follow-up I think is so key and su such huge self-awareness to, to know what you need. I mean, I don't know, especially in the moment. I mean, I had this happen to me actually um, a few months ago, I was having a really tough time and I, I showed to my leadership team and I said, here's where I am and here's what's happening. And I'm, I'm having a really hard time thinking like I just you know just trying not to cry all the time <laughs> so they're like what do you need and I was like I don't know they're like do you do you need a day off do you want to stop working I'm like actually I think I need the opposite I think I need to like have something to do um but it took me a minute to like think about what I what I needed I mean how That's exactly the conversation I had with, with someone who had, you know, as I was going through grief, you know, do you need the day off? And that's the exact response is no, I don't need today off. I need to work today because that is going to fill my space and keep me from laying in bed all day and crying. Right. So, so I don't want to do that. So giving me work allows me to step away from that. And then when I, when I need that moment in, in the shower or wherever I am, I can allow myself to feel that. But personally, I like to work through, through grief. I've learned, right. Other people may need more time to process and perhaps in a different situation, I may ask for that extra time. And I've been really, you know, I think privileged to be able to have the ability to ask for that extra space and time. And so one, one, one piece of advice somebody had given me too, is when somebody's going through grief, think about like, what can you offer? Is, is it somebody who's close by and, and say, can I pick up the groceries for you? So if you're able to offer something very specific, it's sometimes easier for that person to say yes or no to that versus trying to think of what do I need when, when you're going through an emotional roller coaster yourself. I love, yes. So making that shift from being able to show up as a leader and, and talking through these conversations, um, I think you said so beautifully in the sense of like talking about where you are being able to lean into what you need in the moment, if you know what you need to be able to say that. But on the flip side, like, like I said, I think it's really hard being on the receiving end of hearing about where somebody is. Not because, um, for me anyway, it's not because it's like how it's gonna impact me or oh no, what about me? Definitely, it's more about like, I don't know what to say or do here. So that was a really great example of, offering groceries, but I want to, I want to really lean into this because I, and pull it apart a bit, because I think this is the hardest part for anybody being on the receiving end of grief. And I do think we, we sort of fall back into that. How can I help mentality versus what you're talking about, which is being very clear and knowing what, what you can do to even help. So groceries is a great one do you, is it the offer? Do you actually offer it something or do you figure out like what you can do? I mean, is yeah. And I think in the like workplace the, it's different, yeah, right? Like if it's it a is. friend and if it's a friend offering to, to buy groceries might make a lot of sense or a neighbor sure. versus if it's your manager, who's telling you that they're feeling upset and say, can I get you groceries might not be the right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. This, sorry, pulls apart. 
<laughs> yeah, and and I think from that perspective, like as as somebody re- reporting into a, a CMO or or a leader, the question might be, what's on your plate that I can do, or is there anything that um, that I'm doing that's frustrating you, or like just you know like even asking that question, like the question saying, or or kind of also sharing, I'm also feeling overwhelmed at work right now, and I appreciate your sharing that. You, you, you've gone through this loss and wondering if we could put this project on the back burner for now or, you know, like, so, so like thinking about what, or do we need to prioritize this project or can we delegate it because our team is just feeling too stressed, right? So, so making some suggestions around work may, may also be a way to kind of address what's going on or, or do you not want to even talk about work right now? Do you want to tell me more about your dad who just passed away? And, and like, can we share our stories about, you know, and go personal? So I think that's something that we've avoided and, and shied away from in the workplace is talking about our personal feelings and our personal stories. And I think the bonding that we get when we do share honestly and authentically with each other can help with our, our team growth. So I think remotely too, like it's such a, I just had a, uh, I just attended a webinar with, um, Simon Sinek, who I'm another big fan of, and he was talking about remote work and how these weren't his exact words, I forget what his words were, but it's how I talk about it too, in terms of being really intentional, right? Like if you're in an office and you see somebody, you know, he talks about the, the, the trust that's built between people happens in between meetings. It's not in the meetings, it's what happens in between meetings that builds that trust. And so when you're in an office and you happen to run into somebody or you say, oh, I want to show you this thing or do you, or you just stop and say, how are you doing around the water cooler, right? Like all those natural moments that happen in person don't happen remotely. And so you have to be so much more intentional of, of creating those moments, those in-between moments. And so to, to be in the middle of a meeting and for somebody to share such big news Yes, just taking a minute to stop and say, this meeting, not really a priority right now. Tell me about how you're doing. And would you like to talk about your dad? I'd love to learn more about how he impacted you. Like, wow, talk about a moment of connection. Yeah. And I think just being sensitive to different types of people, whether you're a more private employee or more introverted and and what kind of response. So understanding the individual one-on-one outside of that meeting space, I think is critical to understanding how to potentially respond if something comes up at a meeting versus if it comes up at a one-on-one conversation that sometimes is a little easier to talk through versus in front of everyone else. So I think whether you're in a Zoom meeting with with your whole company, I think people may not feel as safe or, or comfortable speaking up versus again, a smaller team that has built more trust around, around being able to share stories or kind of creating that structure around it beforehand so people can think through what they're going to say or if they're going to say anything and be able to say, please don't ask me, I just don't want to talk about this right now. So get, allowing people to be able to do that as well. Yes, I had made the leap that this was happening on a one-on-one basis, but yes, if this happens in a public meeting, probably don't want to stop the meeting. You know, I think acknowledging if somebody's having a moment um, and asking them if they need to take time out to step out or to, you know, take a break is something that they can certainly do. 
Um, but yeah, you don't definitely don't want to have an open conversation probably in front of a whole bunch of people around that. But if it is in a small group or one-on-one, what an amazing opportunity to just take a minute and check in. And, and if they want to get back to work, to your point, Janice, if like, they're like, I don't really want to talk about it. I just want to keep going. Great. Back to the meeting. But at least you took a second to like, wow, let's talk about this for a second. See how you're doing. I think is... Absolutely. And, and I feel like what I'm hearing you say through all of this is really about, in terms of the people um, hearing about the person going through grief or, or being in a tough spot, is really to take their lead and not take it personally, right? Like if they shut you down, they're like, I don't want to talk about it. It's not personal. You you did you did the right thing. You took a bit in staff. And they don't talk about it. Keep on going. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's all different for for every person is different. And another thought that popped in my head is that we're often inner focused or thinking about how do I see things and being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and having the empathy and being able to figure out what the other's needs are and priorities. I think that's the shift that a good leader is making to, to be able to understand what is the other department's need? What is the other person or the other, um, how, how, how are, how is my team receiving this message as well. So um, being able to put yourself in other shoes, even when you are going through grief yourself um, and knowing that not everyone has been trained to respond the same way or has the same personality. And it's really, you know, taking that unique approach to understanding the other versus only seeing things with your own lens. We have a, a saying here at MKG that I actually got from my mentor minute he said this today, I was like, I'm using this everywhere all the time for everything, which is most respectful interpretation. Like if something's coming at you and it didn't land right, or it didn't sit with you for the minute, like just take a second and think about where it's coming from and who said it. And maybe they're just having a minute, like this is unusual behavior or, but at the end of the day, like to not take it personally. Right. And it's so hard to put your ego aside and not, cause that's just how we're wired as like humans is to always think about how things impact us um, as the individual. But it is, I love what you're saying about, it's not about, it's definitely not about you in that moment. And it, it should not be 100%. Um, and to take the, you know, to do your best in that moment as well. What's been the shift for you? I mean, to show up at a company and to be able to be given clearance of like, tell people where you are and what you need. How, how's the team dynamic shifted? Has it? Yeah. And I think reframing how I perceive certain things like being an individual contributor versus being a manager. Like sometimes we might feel less than or different or worse in, in certain situations. But one of the tools that, that we offer through our resilience tool is called Trap It, Map It, Zap It. And I think it's a great <laughs> reminder to, you know, trap it means like you label this emotion. I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling sad or upset or angry at this person. For, and then map it is what what is causing this feeling and what does it you know, what is the story I'm telling behind, you know, I, I'm feeling put down or like, I think that person was saying something to, to um, talk over me. Right. But, but then when you zap it, maybe they weren't right. So like thinking through, this is my perspective and how 
I'm thinking, but maybe they were just trying to share their perspective and we can talk through this and we can, you know, move through it. And so, so again, being able to, instead of allowing that emotion to ruin your whole day, you are able to reassess what the situation might be and, and kind of calm down that emotion or, or reflect on whether that emotion is even, you know, reasonable or accurate based on how you're perceiving the situation. So I think using tools like that can really help with workforce resilience and being able to show up. <laughs> I wrote that down, trap it, trap it, zap it. I love that. What a great tool. And the stories we make up, oh my gosh, right? Like how our minds can spiral and reaffirm things that are the perception versus the reality. Like, yeah, it's to, to even just have that kind of understanding about how our brains work has been such so helpful for me of like not making up, am I making it up and then affirming it? Or is this actually what's happening? Probably not. Yes. I think critical thinking is, is a skill that we can develop by asking the right questions. And, and it's a, it's actually something a lot of people think that they, they are thinking critically, but often it's, it's, you know, just in our own heads. (laughs) So much of this, I wish I knew in my (laughs) twenties. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because my 11 year old is, is taking social emotional learning courses at school and never had this, the the middle schoolers don't have it, but he's coming home with exercises to work with me as an adult and even solving home problems. Like one person's doing all the work. How do we solve that problem? Or, you know, our house is messy. Who's going to do the cleaning? (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I I talk about my kids school too, that way of just the emotional intelligence that they're getting these days that we just did not have access to is just, I mean, amazing to let them live in their feelings. I mean, I think we're learning that now, like what it means to, it's, it's what you're talking, you know, to, to trap it, map it, zap it you know, is to identify it. The first thing you need to do in trapping it is to even identify what it is you're feeling like. So for so many years, for so long, we were taught to just move through and keep going and, you know, to not feel and to take a second and actually go, no, we should identify how we're feeling and understand it, map it out. And then for our kids to also like be taught that is just, game-changing in my opinion. Yeah, I think education and, and you know, earlier at earlier education and, and skill building early on in our careers can really help. And that's where seeing the leadership shift and, and be able to, you know, support personal development, I think is, that's, that's I think, a huge reason there is a, a great resignation and turnover right now is that people are not feeling fulfilled personally. And if you focus on that as a manager or leader, I think that will retain your employees more. Do you think there needs, do you think there's boundaries to it though? Like it's important to have feelings and to identify them, but there's a balance. There's, there needs to be a a balance to that though, right? Like you can't just show up and fly off the handle. You need to, right? Well, and I think that the, the, the factor for resilience is it's called emotion control or I I like the the term emotion management. And when you're able to label that emotion, it actually allows you to not necessarily fly off the handle. Instead, you're you're kind of talking to yourself about this is how I'm feeling and 
this is how I can, I can manage that feeling without um, letting it take over. Right. So I think that is the, you know, if you're not recognizing it, then that's when things might go off balance versus being able to, to name it and say, it's it, maybe I do need an extra 10 minutes right now. So let's not, um, let's not send that email or, or have that meeting because I'm just not feeling in the right mindset to be able to do that properly. That sounds so great in theory. It's so, <laughs> it, it does, it sounds amazing. And I think, I, I imagine it takes, I, I know it takes, because even for me, it's tough. Like I'm just getting to a place where I feel like I'm doing a better job of saying, let me think about that and come back to you rather than trying to solve it in the moment. But it takes practice and like a great deal of mental capacity to like slow your brain down and not react. Like, where did you learn to, to do that in the moment? And I think it's recognizing the cues. And this is even my, my 11 year old will say, what, what, what are the signs that you're feeling angry? I'm short of breath. My face is turning red. My heart is beating fast. So you realize it when you're able to actually get the signals. And, and once you recognize those signals as a pattern, then breaking your, your natural way of responding to it is the next step. But if you don't even recognize what's happening, then you're not going to break it. <laughs> yeah. There is always like a physical thing that happens in all when in all of your feelings, no matter what you're feeling, there is that. Yeah. If you're tearing up or if your your head is throbbing, like there, just knowing what your personal reactions are physically can also help with um, naming that that emotion and mapping it out. Mm-hmm. So good. In terms of the way you've been leading your team in this way and the way that you've been led by your CMO who's given you the space to do this. How, how has this impacted your team? How are you all showing up together now? Like, is there a dynamic shift or was this just, has your, you talked about the culture being so great where you are. Is that just part of the culture and, and how everything has always been, or has there been this movement in terms of how you interact with one another? when you think, lead this way. Yeah. And especially the, the marketing team, I think we're very tight knit and continue to add on some of the tools that, that we, we kind of preach. So practicing what we preach. I mean, we, ha- we did a whole session on gratitude one Monday morning and what we're grateful for, for each other, acknowledging each other. I think just that practice can, can create positivity. And we, we've done, you know, weekly wins when we have our Friday meetings. So making sure we're acknowledging the, the, the little wins that we have so having the regular daily and weekly habits and encouraging each other to practice it and being able to speak up um, when we're seeing something happen and say, hey, are you, are you mind reading in, in, that, in that situation, right? So I think we have the language to speak with each other and it's an ongoing process. I mean, and our company is growing so fast too that there's this culture ad that's happening with, with more people coming on. And as, as we go through growth, I think that's always the, um, the shift of like, how, how do we ensure that we're, we're maintaining this culture um, positively, but also bringing on new and diverse mindsets and, and perspectives. I love that culture ad. Cause it's always scary growing and adding in new people and trying to ensure that 
the culture you've created in, in a smaller unit can sustain as you add people. So I love what you're talking about of not only sustaining it, but allowing it to mold with the people you have or that are coming in. Is that, is that really what you're saying? Like in terms of adding on, is it an addition, but also like a, a mold, so to speak? Yeah, we often talk about culture fit, and I've been hearing more and more talk about culture ad. And I think it's always tough to bring on, you know, someone who may not seem like the, the quite the right fit, but that's because they're adding a different perspective, and that creates the the ability to um, improve your perspective and and have more diverse ways of approaching the market. Even so, like I think it's. As, as a leader, being able to, to think about how how your team can grow is something that I think will will help you grow. Oh, so good. I think we all really needed this, Janice, with everything that's been going on in the world. And I can't say it enough, just how brave you are to show up and to share your story and your journey and to lend us all some really incredible tools to support each other better. Um, in these really tough times, I, we can't ignore what's happening in the world and we need to continue to show up for each other and to have really clear ways on how to do that is just so helpful. So thank you. Is there, in terms of this, is there any last piece of advice or anything else that you've really learned in the last two years on this journey that you wish you had known before or that you, that was really a sort of this aha moment for you? Well, first I wanna thank you for making the space for this conversation. So I think yeah. the, the practice of gratitude is definitely something I've learned can help us get through things. Um, and, and I would say that just learning about resilience over the last few years is something that I wish I had learned earlier um, in my career. Like, like you said, it, it's it's, not easy to deal with all the hits and being able to um, ad address those those challenges and, and think through them and, and give ourselves the space again is, is something that um, I think is, is a learning and, and practice that I've continued to build on. Love that word resilience. Oh, so good. Well, as we wrap up here, Janice, you shared so much about who you are in this journey and, and for everything that's happened, but it's been very focused around your career, which I love, but now I want to pull back the curtain a little bit and get to know you beyond being a marketer. So I have my rapid fire questions if you're ready. Absolutely. Okay. First question for you. Have you picked up any new hobbies in the last few years, given the change in the pandemic and remote working? Well, it's interesting because I had run two marathons right before the pandemic and, and then stopped running with the running club during the pandemic. So I've recently rejoined the running club with my kids, which is, which is super fun, you know, seeing that I'm not as fast as my 11 and 12 year old now <laughs> and was able to beat them a few years ago. But I think that's, that's a shift of, I have to run to catch up and, <laughs> um, and, and doing the seven minute workout at home, like turning on the app and just doing a quick workout. So I think that's, you know, building, I, I did daily yoga for a little while. So I think just finding things I can do at home, but now starting to go back to the gym and doing, you know, soccer coaching for my, my little one too. So I think those are just the physical activity I think is, is really helpful to maintain. 
Yes. Oh, I love that. I, I got a bike a few years ago and that was a game changer for me to like, just get out and ride every day. So ah, I totally agree. Physical activity for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Janice. This was, it was so good. I just so appreciate you. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate you as well. That was my conversation with Janice. Perfect timing. Am I right? Q4 is always a time to feel overwhelmed and like the Q4 tunnel will never end. So what a great reminder of how to not be order takers and to take a step back and think about what we need as individuals so that we can make a thoughtful impact on the team without saying yes to everything and taking it all on and drowning under the weight. Trap it, map it, zap it. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Janice. Thank you for your words of wisdom and all these lovely tools that you have shared with us. The link, There's links in the show notes to some of these tools so you can dig in more about how you're going to set up your Q4 for success. Thank you for listening to Tea Time with Tech Marketing Leaders. This episode is brought to you by MKG Marketing, our agency that accelerates the mission of cybersecurity vendors via SEO, digital ads, and analytics. It's hosted by me, Carrie Gard, CEO and co-founder of MKG Marketing. Music, mix, and mastering done by Austin Ellis. And if you would like to be our guest, please visit mkgmarketing.com to apply.